0: Welcome to the C2C Podcast. I am your host, Derek Anderson. After holding my first event in 2010, I went on to create Startup Grind, a 400-chapter community based in over 100 countries. Along the way, I discovered the greatest marketing tool of all time, your customers. Yet, I couldn't find anyone sharing how to build a community where people could experience your brand in person or at scale. On this show, we talk with the brightest minds and companies on the planet, about how to build customer-to-customer marketing strategies and create in-person experiences for your brand and customers before your competitor does. Our next guest is Sydney Sloan, who's the CMO at SalesLock. Before joining SalesLock, she built a strong resume working for amazing brands like Adobe, Jive, and Alfresco. SalesLoft has already built a really strong online community, and now they're going into the offline world. We're going to talk to Sydney about how SalesLoft is approaching this, as well as how CMOs view community and how to talk to them about getting approvals and buy-in for what you're trying to build. Take a listen. Sydney, it's great to have you on. In your own words, can you just describe for us what SalesLoft does, what problems it solves?
1: Sure. Sure. So Sales Loft is a sales engagement platform. And what that means is we help sales teams in the way that they plan, track, measure, and optimize all the interactions between buyers and sellers. So I I, best way to describe it is my previous life before I knew sales engagement and where we were trying to, we read all the reports and you're supposed to have 15 touches in order to engage a prospect. And we were setting up task reminders and manually automated processes in Salesforce and absolutely failing at it. And finally realized that there's probably a better way. And that's how I came to know salesoft I, I first bought Sales Engagement before becoming the CMO of Salesoft And really, I don't know how you would do it as a salesperson. I do not know how you would do your job without a Sales Engagement platform today. in the way that you communicate to your customers manage your day, manage all the interactions, have the visibility into what your customers are doing. And so it's just the modern way that salespeople work.
0: It's a great product. We love using it. That's an unpaid endorsement. I wonder, you've had this incredible career in community building. We're going to get into that. And I know you've been at SalesLoft for just over a little over a year. But I wonder, as you all are sort of rolling out this new community for SalesLoft, I wonder if you could just... Tell us a little bit about it. What's your sort of vision is for it? Where, you know, you hope it goes over the next couple of years and how that will ultimately impact or where you see community impacting sales sort of core business.
1: Sure. Like I said, there's a new way, there's a modern way that salespeople are working. And I love that we see the industry changing from, you know, going that hero mentality or team mentality and working together to serve customers versus just manage a deal. And so there's so much, that salespeople need to learn and that they can share with each other. And so our community, the Rev community, is really a place for sales and revenue professionals to come to learn, share, and grow, which I think is the purpose for a lot of communities. What's unique and what we're doing, and we can talk a little bit about my history, I've built many communities over my time, is that there's a lot of micro-communities that currently exist to serve different types of revenue professionals, women in sales, sales coming out of school, modern sales pros, all these groups that are doing incredible work that we partner with. And so our goal is to build a global community of over a million sales and revenue professionals over the next three years. And we wanna do it in partnership. So we're doing it a little bit differently. This is not just a customer community, it's something bigger than that.
0: We mostly on the show interview people who have community in their title. You're the chief marketing officer at Sales Loft. What do you think CMOs need to be doing to build community today, particularly in-person communities? Like, why have you helped champion this and why do you think other CMOs should do the same?
1: I think that when you are a CMO, if you're reporting into a CMO, I've reported when I was running community before, that was my core focus around customer experience and community was a large part of that. It's a way that you can reach the most potential users and I think the most meaningful way because I believe that communities are designed for learning and networking. And so when you think about as a marketer, you know, our funnels, which is really about reach and awareness, and then it goes to engagement. And then you go to conversion in terms of your ability to create an influence pipeline and business overall. And then guess what? That that swing side in in retention and growth, which communities play a huge part in. There's a role of community in all facets of that. If you're trying to engage a new prospect, what better way? to do that, then put them with people who are already loyal advocates of what it is that you sell. And as you're trying to onboard new customers, then put that learning and best practice in the Q&A and how do you do this and get users answering to other users of how to do that. And then building that relationship with your customers over time to drive the renewal and the growth and having them be part of it. I mean, I, I want to be at in-person events where not only are they doing the lick and stick tattoos, but they're actually, you know, Wanting to put an actual tattoo of the company because they're such a fan of it. Wear the t-shirt maybe. We can stick tattoo a second. And then, you know, maybe there might be a few out there that get the real thing. Yeah.
0: Right. Real tattoo. Is there, do we get, do you get a discount if you actually, you know, come to the table with a sales loss? Sure. <laughs> sales totally. loft tattoo.
1: I'd do that. Um <laughs>
0: You know, we have so many of our listeners, I think, that are trying to prove the value of community to the executives on their teams. And I think a lot of people really struggle with it. And you've probably seen this having built your own communities and probably had, you know, sell up to different people, you know, over the course of your career. How would you suggest community builders do that? What's the best way to approach these people and to actually get done what you need to get done?
1: I think it helps if you have an executive vision. And I picked a million sales professionals, but I had that happen to me one time. Um, so back in 2005, I was working at Adobe, we had just acquired Macromedia, and the executive in charge at that time had this vision of the Flash developer community. And we had about 1,500 developers at that time, and it was actually called Flex and then Flash Builder. And he said, let's build a community of a million developers. And it was like, oh my God, how are we gonna go from fifteen hundred to a million? Are you crazy? I I, I might have said that, probably a career limiting move that you would not want to do to an executive. But what having those lofty aspirational goals requires you to think differently. And so we had to think big. And what we did was a combination of building an online community hiring evangelists, building an online community, and going out to where those people lived. So Java developers, and you know, so we're aligned with the Java Posse and we aligned with those influence, the key influencers in the Java community, but we also paired that with global meetups. So many of our offices had never even talked to developers when Macromedia was acquired, let alone run a meetup. And so we had to put a lot of effort into the global meetup program Finding those local champions, establishing what the purpose was, allowing them to have their own unique capability, identifying those local champions that were going to be our owner of that community and then facilitating. I think that's the key. And what I love about Bevy is that the local people, while they're passionate, still need help from the company. They need help promoting, organizing, getting the people there. I mean, they can run it in terms of maybe the content and being a local advocate, but asking them to do all the heavy lifting becomes overwhelming. And so I do believe that the company that's sponsoring the communities or the meetups need to provide that to the local ambassadors.
0: So you've just sort of walked through the playbook in 30 seconds of how to build and cultivate and scale one of these communities. And there's so much in there we could unpack. If somebody that has also taken a community from the zero to 50, you know, kind of groups, I wonder from your perspective, you know, what was the biggest driver? Like, what was the one thing you could not have like lived without during that period or done or been successful without doing to sort of drive that kind of growth and adoption from the community?
1: So I think I'll give two examples because I've done it twice. I did it at Jive as well. So in Adobe, I think at that point, the idea of meetups was relatively new. And I think spending time in region with the leaders to really get them to understand what the value of the local community could be, how to set it up, allowing for differences. It wasn't a cookie cutter, right? The French team wanted something different than the the London team versus the Korean team. Their cultures are different. The needs of the users are different. The number of users they had were different. And so I think taking the time to go office to office and meet with the local leader and look them in the eye and say, this is important. I'm here to help you what is it that you need and understanding those differences and bringing that back and then designing the infrastructure that can support the similarities as well as the differences was really important. And then being there to help. I mean, if they needed help, I would make it happen. And, you know, maybe you start out with five or 10, we grew, you grow over time. And I have a saying, go where the energy is. So while you might've gone and talked to 20 different of your top locations, if five are leaning in harder than the other 10, Get the five working, like do that and then deal with the others is my advice versus spending your time trying to, you know, convince other people when you've got people right there, just go make them wildly successful and then the others will follow.
0: Yeah, there's so many great insights in there. I love this idea of like, look, have the big executive vision, like where is this going? How can this have a huge major impact on the business? But at the same time, like don't lose the human touch. You have to do the terrible work and hard work to like just get, the machine running and then also you talked about like how you have to be you know you're working inside of a brand and you don't want to you know do anything negative to that brand you have to create some guardrails but at least still have some flexibility to allow some people who want to try something here in France or try something in you know in New York that's different from something in Atlanta or whatever where you still like maintain that sort of human touch and flexibility but also you know you can do it in the constraints of the brand
1: yeah um, If you don't mind, I'll share my other yeah. story about Jive too, because it was actually a different scenario. When I got to Jive, which actually sold community platforms to community leaders, I mean, that was great. You actually get to learn from people who know it maybe better than you. And what was interesting about the situation with Jive is Jive sold the software aspect. So we had the online community, a, a number of community members, I can't remember, it was 20 or 30,000, I think at the time that I started. And but we didn't have the in-person part. And so while we had good engagement and we had, you know, we were able to personalize and do, you know, badges and and gamification and create a lot of content, that secondary human element wasn't there. And so we chose to add in the regional user groups. We called them user groups at Jive. And what we learned was that if we were to set up, you know, here are the four or five topics that we know or we want to be talked about with the users. And we provided that. So we, we were lucky that we could identify our local champions. And we knew we could handle about, you know, five or six meetups based on our budget. And then we had a dedicated person that helped them with that organization. Basically, there, before there was Bevy, we hacked it in our own platform. And then we offered them, here are the, the six topics that we can provide speakers for, be it remote or in person. We always try to be in person, but sometimes remote. Here's the two standard agendas that you can use and then depending on the, how big your group is, we had budgets that were associated with it. So if you had 25 users, we'll give you $500 to just cover the cost of food and beverage if you have more. So we, we had this nice little kind of kit set up for our local champions and just, you know, offered speakers, offered the agenda, paid for the fun part and, you know, just help them orchestrate. And I think that was part of the reason that we were able to keep the local advocates engaged for as long as we did. And then, you know, they just want to share stories and build their network. That's what it is. The best part of that in going full cycle is that our engagement in our online community grew, our user, our local user groups grew, and our overall attendance at our annual conference. So if anybody's ever worried, like, uh-oh, I'm going to, you know, if I start doing these local events in my, you know, maybe my summit or my, my big, we call it Rev 2020 is our annual conference. It doesn't. It actually feeds it. And because people know each other, are you going, oh my God, I'm going to, let's go together. Let's co-present, you know, let's tackle this problem together. When they're there, they feel that camaraderie and then they get to expand it. And then you promote them as local community leaders and get them together and share stories. It's all part of the fabric of building a vibrant customer community overall.
0: And you've talked about a lot of different kinds of metrics that these programs drive. I wonder if I'm, you know, trying to just start to prove that executive buy-in or I'm running community program and trying to like extract insights that are going to justify growing it and sustaining it. Do you have any advice on like what metrics you would start collecting first?
1: Yeah, the easy ones are your users, right? So how many users do I have? And then there's the frequency. And that's for me engagement now. We call it engagement. So how often are they engaged in the community? How often are they coming to events? If you can consolidate that track in one system, that's great. I learned a great lesson from the community leader at EMC years ago. And they did a study that looked at the number of community members and the number of the amount of community engagement and could draw a direct correlation to the amount of revenue and retention in those accounts. So when they stack ranked, here's all our community members from these companies, here's how active they are, and then correlated that to revenue and retention. It was 100%. I had, you know, you have 20 active users and they are 20X in terms of uh, revenue than a one. It was direct corollary. And so that's what I would recommend is like look at that engagement, tie it back to revenue and growth in your accounts. If you can't do them all, pick your top 100, that's fine. And start that as the way that you prove value to the bottom line.
0: I know you've just kicking off the Rev community, but we'd love to have you back maybe in a year's time or something you could just tell us you know about what you've learned from it what's different from these other you know communities at jive and you know adobe and others that you've already built and just the success of it what metrics it's driving we'd love to you know do a follow up at some point and hear about that and hear how that's different from the other experiences you've had in the past
1: Totally be happy to we are taking a different approach so cross your fingers it's going to work It's going to work Yeah
0: Finally as we just wrap this up I'd love to know what communities you love or you know, follow and what you love about them, you know, what you think they're doing a good job with?
1: You know, I I have two. The first is HubSpot in terms of a as a marketer. I love Marketo too. I'm I'm a big Marketo fan. And I think it's just when I search for something, it takes me into their community. I find the answer right away. When I go to their programs and events, you feel the energy and I, I always learn something. So those are my two easy ones. But when I think about great communities, Sephora is also another one that I really like. And I just think that they've done a great job in being able to tie the brands into the community experience and the whole brand ambassador idea when you're in person. And so, you know, sometimes your communities are B2C, sometimes they're B2B. Those are the ones that I love.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to this. If you'd like to see more about how to create your own event community, go to bevy labs.com/pod. Again, that's dot com. Slash odd.